Alrighty, we're back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio. I'm the host of the most, the king of the quarantine, Jimmy Falcon, and we're back for with a very special guest, former WCW superstar, Glacier. How's it going, man? Ah, oh, man, it's good, it's good. How you guys doing? You good? Yeah, pretty good. I guess we're we're both dealing with some heat, but you're down in Florida yeah. now, so it's a little worse than what I got with in Illinois. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know they call it the Sunshine State for a reason, but uh, but I love it down here. It, it is it's one of those days today. It's uh, it's it's I think one of the hottest days of the year for us down here. But you know it's Florida, so no surprise there. And I'm not not griping too much because uh, you know it's uh, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> Well, you made a pretty big mark in wrestling, uh, but you came from a law enforcement family. How did you not end up being in law enforcement? You know what? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I was just talking with some uh, with some people last night, and, uh, and that came up. Uh, you know, it, I, just to kind of recap for, for maybe any of the listeners who, uh, who don't know my background, um, I, I grew up in uh, uh, small South Georgia. Now, not small, real small, but called Brunswick, Georgia, right on the southeastern uh, coast of Georgia, and uh, about an hour below Savannah, Georgia. And uh, both my parents were, were uh, career law enforcement. My, uh, both of them were Georgia State Patrol. My, my father had a highly decorated career as a Georgia State Trooper. My mother um, actually had maybe even a more decorated career. She became, uh, she was the first woman to ever become a lieutenant with the Georgia State Patrol. She was the highest ranking woman in the, you know, the over 100 year history of the State Patrol when she retired, uh, I think in 96 or 97, about the time I, I got to hit it big in WCW. And, um, uh, and then my twin brother, uh, which a lot of people don't know I have a twin brother, he became a Georgia State Trooper and, and really, really, I mean, I, I told him when he decided to do it, I was like, are you nuts? Are you, you know, following our parents' footsteps? Are you going to, you know, what are you going to do to one-up them? You know, but he, he really did develop his own tremendous reputation as a State Trooper and um, he's retired from the State Patrol now. He actually works as an expert witness for um, a law firm and, uh, and and so one is it is considered one of the most respected expert witnesses in the country right now uh, as far as drug, drug cases and DUI cases and uh, and my two uncles uh, both my dad's brothers were in law enforcement one of my uncles was Georgia State Patrol the other was deputy sheriff so uh, so yeah it's uh, it runs very very deep in my family but uh, I, I will say this it, it just it you know I, I got most of my degrees in education and uh, and I became a teacher. For the years I was pursuing my wrestling dream, I, I became a teacher. And, and like with teaching, uh, I ranked law enforcement in there as those careers that I think it's just a calling. Like, you know, you don't get into teaching for the money. You certainly don't get into law enforcement for the money. Um, I don't think you wake up one day and go answer an ad and say, I want to go be a cop or be a teacher. You, there's something inside you that drives you to want to go do something like that. And and, and, and my, both my parents had that. My brother had that. I just, you know, it never spoke to me uh, to go do that. Um, even though I am the biggest advocate in the world for law enforcement, I know that's kind of a, maybe not a popular thing to say these days, but frankly, I don't care mm. <laughs> because I, I, and I don't mean that bad. I, I, I totally get, you know, all the, t- the tension and stuff that's out there today. But when I say that, I don't care. I don't mean that sincerely. I don't mean that, you know, uh, the way it sounds is, you know, I just know that, you know, I, 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 I you know, I had to deal with it firsthand of, you know, um, the, the potential horror of, of, you know, getting a knock of that call saying that, you know, something bad had happened to one of my parents and or my brother or, you know, and, and it's 
for the families of law enforcement officials, you know, personnel, you know, it's it's a heavy burden for them to carry too. And and you know, my father used to always say, because um, you know, even back then, you know, there, there was still the you still had the road cop every now and then that that you know that gets all the, the publicity. Everybody tends to they see that and they think you know they want to paint everybody with a broad brush. And my and you know, my dad was always you know the first one to say like you know. You know the the law enforcement. They're not they're not machines. They're not robots. You know they're human beings, and human beings make mistakes and make bad decisions. Uh, they do bad things. You know sometimes even once we're in a badge. But you know the overwhelming majority of the people that wear that badge wear it with pride and honor, and they're and they're, they're in their heart they're they're serve, they, they serve. They, they have something that makes them want to serve the community, and and in a very very dangerous way. You know a lot of times, and so um, I never had I just never had that calling to do that. Uh, I respect so much the first responders at all levels, uh, but um, but it's something that uh, I truly believe. It's something that you know you have to have a calling to do it. And my calling was was teaching for a while, and it still is actually. I, I enjoy teaching as, of course, you know, I'm part of the Nightmare Factory coaching staff up in, in Atlanta with with Cody and and QT. But uh, well, they're split now. But <laughs> there's fighting within the family there. But but we all started together. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, it's just uh, I think it's a calling, and it's just I never got the calling. And I always say, you know, I don't uh, I don't understand how people you know can go to work, and I'm glad people can. And knowing that, you know, every time you make a stop on the interstate, you know, there may be something terribly, terribly vicious and violent waiting on the other end of that, you know, uh, and you, know, you have to, you just have to be cut from a certain breed of people to be able to handle that kind of pressure. And, and it just wasn't something that spoke to me. And, uh, but, but coming from, you know, being in a law enforcement family, I know what that pressure feels like to be, uh, like I said, to know you can't control what happens and, and, and you just have to kind of block it out of your head to know that, you know, that, that potentially one day, um, you know, a, a, a terrible call may come, you know, and uh, I just saw Dallas, Dallas Page, who, you know, I always say Dallas is like my crazy big brother. He just posted where there's a, a law officer outside, just outside of Atlanta in Carrollton, Georgia, who was uh, um, uh, shot in the head and, mm. uh, and survived and or they're in, in a high speed pursuit and that um, he's doing a limited uh, uh, two weeks worth. Uh, he's running a, a, a promotion for uh, his Unstoppable. His last latest book is called Unstoppable, and, and uh, this uh, officer has become, I believe, it's become like kind of a, a, a DDP yoga, you know, practitioner. And, and, and Paige got to know him somehow, and he's doing a campaign for two weeks, and they're doing shirts that say Badge Two Two Nine, which is, I guess, his badge number, and, uh, and all the proceeds of that are going to his family to help, you know, with obviously with a enormous medical costs that come from overcoming some kind of, you know, terrible life-threatening injury like that. But, uh, but yeah, that's the long-winded answer. <laughs> well, I was going to say a couple things to add to that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we should all have respect for cops. That was the first thing I wanted to do. Uh, but I'm just not that kind of, like you said, There's that's like a certain person that's cut out for that. I'm just not cut out for that kind of work. But when I was young, yeah, I, I wanted to do it, and yeah. I have nothing but love for him. And something else uh, that I thought uh, is a business you don't get into to make money is pro wrestling. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And I tell, um, uh, and one of the things I want to talk about, which is um, in a way I know you and I have been trying to schedule this for a long time. I, I'm actually, uh, you know, uh, 
I hate that it took us this long to kind of get together, but in a way, I'm kind of glad because I have something I'm working on. Uh, and, and actually, uh, here on your show will be the first time I actually make a public announcement about it. And I can maybe mention that here before we finish up. But, um, but yeah, you know, uh, I tell everyone that gets in the, 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 the aspiring professional wrestlers that, that want to pursue this. Uh, I always say that most of them are what I call dreamers. I, I was a dreamer. Uh, you know, QT Marshall and I talk about all the time. He was, we, we put ourselves in that category. We're dreamers. You know, and, and there's, there's certainly, you know, dreamers are the ones that change the world. But I, I'm a big believer in, you know, you, you've got to get a blueprint. you got to get a game plan for what you're going to do. Because if you don't, then your dream is just that. It's just a dream, and it never amounts to anything. And, and you know, so many people that, that chase any kind of a dream, whether it's wrestling or, or, or whatever, music, uh, you know, whatever. You know, um, if, if you don't have a, a game plan for what, what you want to do, if you don't know where you're trying to go, you know, I always say, like, you know, if you, when you buy an airplane ticket, you know, you buy a ticket to where you want to go. You know where you're trying to go to, okay? So in wrestling, you got to know where you're trying to go. And because if you just jump in and you just blindly are just like, oh, I just want to be a pro wrestler. Okay, well, I get that. That's kind of how we all fell in love with wrestling. We, we There's something fun about that. We said, wow, I'd like to try that, or maybe I want to go down that path. But where do you really want to take You have to know where you really want to take this. And... Um, and I'm a big believer, and I always say to all of our trainees, and when I do seminars, it's one of the first things I say. And, and I heard Richard Dreyfus say this about to young actors one time, and I think it definitely applies to pro wrestling as well, is it's okay to want the fame and the fortune. You just can't want that first. And right. what I mean by that is what I've learned, and I'm not saying my, my opinion is, is the only opinion here, but I, I, from all the the peers I have and colleagues in the industry that are doing this as long as I have, which is now for me is, is, is almost 35 years now, is what I've learned is that if you pursue this and you lead with the, you want it for the fame and the fortune, typically what I've learned is that most people that pursue it for that, I'm not saying that they're wrong if they want to pursue it for that. I, I get it. I totally get it. But if you solely pursue it for the fame and for the fortune, you just want to be a star and you want to be famous and this is your outlet is, is wrestling, first of all, I always say there's a, there's much easier ways to try to get famous than wrestling. Right. <laughs> but and a lot less painful ways than wrestling. But I've found that most people, they tend to put this three to four year window on them, of, of time on themselves. And, and that's just not a realistic time to try to make it into any industry to the top level of life, like, especially like pro wrestling. I mean, it's it's rare to see someone in pro wrestling, you know, get an opportunity in under five years at that top level. Now, does it happen? Of course it happens. But, you know, and I firmly believe that most people who get that opportunity, if, they, if it's, they've been in less than five years, you know, it's much, much more pressure on them because they haven't had enough experience to learn how to deal with that pressure. And it is a very high-pressure career, especially with, at the highest level, like at AEW at WWE, uh, you know, um, uh, Impact, uh, New Japan, whatever. I mean, it's a very high level of pressure, and you need to learn how to, to deal with that, and, and that takes a while. You can't just, if you're thrown out there to the wolves, most people, it doesn't go well in the beginning if you just get thrown out there. But, but the thing is, is that, is I always go back to, you know, it, what happens is if that window, if, if it doesn't have, they don't get it in, within that window of three to four years, which is if they're chasing it for that fame and fortune, that they tend to become bitter. And I always say, this business has enough bitter people. We don't need yeah. more bitter people. <laughs> so if you're chasing it for the fame and fortune, I always say, please go chase another dream somewhere else because 
it's just going to end bad for everybody because you're going to end up being bitter because more than likely it's not going to happen on your timeline. And that's just how the business goes. You know, every once in a blue moon, yes, you know, someone will get that break. Uh, right place, right time. But for the most, you know, you play the law of averages. Law of averages say it's going to take you a while. You know, and if it ever comes, it's going to take a while. And I always say, but if you pursue it because it's your passion, it's what you love, it's what you get up every day, then you do something you says, I have to go do this. If I don't do this, I, I'm not going to be fulfilled, you know then those are the people I, I want to work with because they're chasing the dream for the right reason. And what I tell them is, I've been where you want to be. I've been where you want to go. I know what it takes. I, don't, I don't only know what it takes to get there. I know what it takes to stay there. And how to do that right so that you get the respect you deserve. Not just but you earn the respect. How do you earn that respect? How do you keep that respect? And then how do you become somebody who represents this business well? Because we have a lot of people that, we have enough people that don't represent it well. Just like any other business has their people, their, their rebels that don't represent it well. I've always been at the school of thought, I want to be somebody who represents my business well. You know, and that's something I can be proud of. And that's the people that I want to work with, the dreamers who, you know, and that's who, you know, we have at the Nightmare Side, you know, it, you know the dreamers. And, and, and there's ones that I can see pretty early, the ones who, the worst things that anybody can tell me is that they're the hardest work in the room. Because now you've set the bar really high, and I'm going to expect you to hold that. So I always tell you know, don't come in and tell me that. Show me, don't tell me. <laughs> because if you come in and say that, and many of them will, they'll come in, oh, I'll be the hardest worker you've ever had. Okay, well, now you've really, you know, you put yourself behind the eight ball, because right now my expectations of you just went way up, and they're going to stay there. Because you told me that's where they should be. So, uh, but no, it's, it's um, it can be, it's a great industry. You know, the, the, when I came through, it was a lot more, ruthless and cutthroat and, and there's still because the entertainment as a whole, entertainment industry as a whole is, is is like that to a certain degree and let's face it the whole world is to a certain degree you know and so when i was in teaching school teaching it was it was kind of ruthless and cutthroat too you know in, in a lot of ways but um but no it's 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 a great industry it's a great business and, and now more than ever the the you know there's people who get opportunities that are not necessary because when i broke in it was more of that big guy era when you know if you weren't you know six to 250 you didn't hardly even get to get a look, you know, and so uh, and I say six two two fifty or bigger. Now, you know, the, the the industry has shifted a lot, and you know, um, people like Darby Allen have proven that you know you, you don't have to be that stereotypical size, you know, height or, or weight to to get a break in this business. And and I think what I've seen is that has really opened up a, a, a big floodgate of, of people now who were basically not someone who would want to pursue this and says wow you know what if he can do it I can do it you know if the young bucks can do it I can do it um, you know if because you see I mean there, there are a lot of uh, back when when I was in WCW would have been considered more of a cruiserweight category now there's not there's not a cruiserweight in heavyweight category everyone is just lumped together so there's it's 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 there's more of a it's a melting pot of everybody together which I think has allowed the, the pro wrestling community to look at and say, you know, oh, wow, okay, well, now maybe there is a possibility I can go pursue this. So that's what I always say to people is pursue it as if you would anything else. Pursue it for the right reasons, that you love it, and that you get up every day and you really want to go do it. You really want to learn how to do this the best you can. And, and, and if you concentrate on all the things you can control, which that's what I'm really, really big on is 
let's look at the things that we can control. Let's work on those things. And the other stuff, if we do these things really well, all the other stuff will take care of itself. It might not be on your timeline. It probably won't be on your timeline. That's okay. Develop a plan to keep moving forward. Work on what you can control. And I promise you, the other stuff finds a way to work out for you. That That's what I know. That's what I've learned over all these decades of doing this. <laughs> yeah, I had so much fun being in pro wrestling. I never got to the level you were at or a lot of the guys have gotten to but it is such a, a great time i don't really think there's any better feeling than being under those bright lights getting oh yeah to piss people off it's so much fun in my opinion uh, there's nothing better being a heel yeah yeah and i was there was times when i was healing my career and, you know and that's what i always say when you're a heel the booze and the you know the when the fans are yelling at you, that, that's your that's your that's that's your applause, you know. And, oh, yeah. and if you do your job right, that's your applause is getting that that heel reaction from the audience. Uh, but there's a there's a um, there's, there's a certain uh, craft to that. It doesn't just happen, you know. And and, and I, I think that's a lot of I'm sure you experienced it as well. And that's you know that's another reason why you know I love teaching and coaching young wrestlers because a lot of them think that oh I can just go out there and I can just you know, for lack of a better term, curse at the audience, and, and no. I'm going to be I'm going to be over the heel. No, you're not. That's just what we call cheap heat. That's too cheap. My, you know, my next door neighbor can go out there and curse at him. <laughs> you know, that doesn't take any skill. Come up. You need to. You know, you, you learn from the people who've done it right, and you know, learn how to be a professional entertainer and how to evoke, motivate that audience that mostly invest in you, whether it's as the, whether they cheer for you or boo you. But there's a way that you do that, and there's there's a craft to what we do to to motivate that audience to to get that emotional reaction, have them step into the ring emotionally with you, whether they're gonna boo you or cheer you. But the easy, the the, the wrong way to do it is to just you know personally attack the audience because that doesn't right. anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. So that's a lot of what I teach is like there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. I'll show you the right way. <laughs> and I'll show you my way. It's not the only way, but it's the way that I've learned that it works, you know, because right. I've been fortunate enough to learn from some of the very best in the history of this business. You know, people like Luthez, like Dusty Rhodes, like Larry Zabisco. I was with Larry Zabisco yesterday, you know, and, and I, I get a chance to be around guys like that, and I still don't think I don't pick their brains, even though we're spending, we're hanging out as friends and, 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 and colleagues, don't I still pick their brains as much as I can, you know? <laughs> Oh, absolutely, and <clears throat> I'd be remiss if I didn't get into talking about WCW some. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you started doing mixed martial arts for some time and decided you wanted to factor that into pro wrestling and talk to your old pal Dallas Page about yeah. that, and he hooked you up with Eric Bischoff. Um, <laughs> what was uh, some some of the earliest some of your earliest memories of getting into WCW? Um, I tell you what, um, and once again. Uh, to, you know, to keep it to keep it brief, um, uh, because I could spend the next couple hours explaining that whole story. But, but uh, in a nutshell, this is what happened. My, my favorite quote. I'm big on quotes because as a teacher and a coach, you know, to me, quotes help me teach my lesson and hopefully it helps students remember the lesson. You know, or the trainees remember the lesson. And my number one favorite quote is that I got from my, my college athletic trainer. Is it's everybody says you know everybody knows the quote it's not what you know it's who you know right everybody knows that mm -hmm. well my college uh, coach he told me he said there's a third part of that that most people don't understand it's the most valuable part and I said what's that and he said it's not what you know it's always what you know it's not always who you know it's who's willing to say they know you 
who's willing to put their name and reputation on the line for you to, to not give you a handout, but to give you a hand up to help you get to where you're going. But you have to earn that. You have to earn that trust for them to put their name and reputation on the line for you. That's what Dallas Page did for me. I, I moved to Atlanta in 1990 to pursue my dream of making it to the top level, which for me was WCW because that's what I'd grown up watching. You know, it was Georgia Championship Wrestling first, and it became WCW. And so, um, and there was nothing against WWF. It's just that I was a product of the South, and I wanted to go to w, WCW. That's just that's what to me was making it. You know, and. Um, and so I moved to Atlanta. I, I, was, I was teaching school. I, I started working out at Main Event Fitness, which is owned by Lex and Sting. I got to know them. I got to know a lot of, uh, and, and through that, I got to know Dallas because I, I built a pretty good name on the indie circuit uh, already. So once I got to Atlanta, I just kind of that continued. And and uh, and you know, and I, I always say like I was a very average athlete, but I had a good work ethic. I had a good attitude, and, and I, I learned early on that what I could do to, to differentiate myself from. A lot of other people in the wrestling businesses work on what I call the magic beans, the little things, the little things that happen in between the moves so that every single thing I do in the ring is entertaining, everything. And that's the stuff that, that Dallas started to see in me. And, uh, and so the time came where, you know, it was Christmas 95, right before Christmas 95, we were in, uh, Christmas shopping in the big Lennox Mall in Atlanta, and we stopped to eat lunch, we were eating pizza, and I said to him, I said, you know, Dallas, I'm thinking about incorporating some martial arts moves into my... My, my, my gimmick, what I do in the ring, and he was like, bro, it'd be great if you do some of that stuff, and I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I've been studying since I was like 14, 15 years old. He's like, I never knew that. He goes, you know, Eric's into all that, and I said, I, know, I didn't know that, so I told him everything about that. He said, let me, let me take that back to Eric, you know, so he told Eric, and unbeknownst to, to Dallas, even, PBS, who had already, had, you know, Mortal Kombat was insanely unpopular then, oh, yeah. popular then, they actually had a TV show that, that WCBS had already, you know, was, was you know, I can't remember if it had started then or maybe it was still in uh, discussion, but eventually there was a TV show, the Mortal Kombat TV show that aired on TBS. So anyway, they had already approached Bischoff about, hey, how can, can we bring this concept into the wrestling ring? And so that's how, so, so down the schedule for me to meet Eric for dinner right in their neighborhood at a little local steakhouse. And, uh, and, and I always say, you know, the... One of the worst things that can happen to a pro wrestler is to do everything they can in their power and, and the break never come. But the worst thing that's even worse than that is for the break to come and you're not to be ready for it because you didn't do the work. Well, I had done the work. I knew I was ready. I knew I was ready. And some of my friends had been signed, like, like you know, Bagwell, Disco, Scotty Riggs. We all came up together. Those guys had already gotten signed. So I was like, man, I was hungry. I was like, I, you know, I want to be there with them, you know? And so... Um, in that meeting, that meeting lasted almost three hours at dinner, and at the end of it, um, long, long, the, the very short version is, he ended up offering me a contract to wrestle, and that's how quick, I tell people, that's how quickly your life can change in pro wrestling, it was because I was ready, because I was confident, and I fit the bill for what he was looking for at that time, it was, you know, uh, Dallas and I always say, give me, give me talent, give me experience, give me timing, I'll take timing, because that's the one that really, really matters is when all the stars align, you know, and he did for me at that time, but, but I was ready. I knew I was ready. And so, um, and most people know the story from there, you know, we, uh, we, they brought on a special effects company, the whole process of developing the whole Glacier thing, which had never really been done before from drawing board to finished product. They created this entire character and, um, uh, you know, and, and of course, for me personally, I had an amazing experience uh, during the process of uh, the time I got signed in January of '96 until I debuted. This this thing called the NWO happened, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, obviously that became everybody knows that became 
arguably the, the, the hottest thing in wrestling. Um, and so, you know, uh, we had to battle that. And uh, and I think we did to, to, as good as we could. And, and I'm very proud of the fact that I was there for five years. I was there you know, from January 96, pretty much up until the better end of April of 01. And, and you know, I proudly felt like I earned my spot there week after week after week for all five of those years. Um, and, you know, there were people that were critics of the Glacier gimmick. I get it because, listen, I was a trunks and boots guy. I tell people all the time, you know, I never envisioned that my break in wrestling would come with me wearing a blue mask and armor. But, you know, I, I remember, you know, calling Luthez and talking to him about, about it. And I'm sure most of your listeners know who Luthez is. If you don't, oh, yeah. just Google him, you know. And, but, uh, and, you know, getting Lou's kind of a stamp of authority, like, hey, Ray, this is your opportunity to go make your money. And when the Grand Poobah Wrestling tells you it's okay to go pursue this, that's all I needed to hear. And so I did. And um, and I dove into every, with everything I had. And like I said, I was an old choice of boots guy, so this was something that was definitely, as I always say, in order to get better, you got to step outside your comfort zone. Well, I was stepping way out of my comfort zone to become Glacier. Um, but I embraced it, and I said, I'm going to see this thing through. I'm going to make it work. And, and we did. And I had a, and I had a great run with it. Um, it was a great experience for me. It still is. I'm still Glacier to this day. I'm very proud. I, I do a lot of appearances. Thank God I look pretty much like I did when I was still on TV. I have all my hair still. and <laughs> I'm about two pounds heavier than I was when I was at WCW, which is not too bad. But, um, but you know, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, but, and like anything, I learned a long time ago when you try to make everybody happy, you know, you just can't do that. So um, for the most part, my experience was awesome. I, you know, over the years, what I found is most people really enjoyed the gimmick. Some people, it wasn't their thing. I get that. I totally get that, and I respect that. But uh, but that's pro wrestling, you know. And oh, yeah. so, uh, you know, it's the same thing with musical artists. There's some people that they, they perform this kind of music. They have people that like it, and people that don't necessarily aren't fans of it. Well, that's wrestling too. And, and uh, all I know is I got to live a dream. I'm still living that dream. I thank God every day I get to be Glacier because I know I've impacted a lot of lives, a lot of fans. I've given them a lot of great experiences, and I'm not anywhere close to being done yet. So, <laughs> so I'm going to keep on enjoying being Glacier because, like I said, it, it, being Glacier has has made my world unbelievably great for the last 25 years. Oh, absolutely, and. Um... Back when I was a kid, man, I was killing that Nintendo 64, and you were uh, you were in a couple of video games yourself, uh, WCW, NWO Revenge, and uh, World Tour. Yeah. What's it like, uh, you know, being made into a character in a video game? I mean, the graphics were pretty decent then. I mean, you weren't dealing with, like, yeah. Pac-Man graphics. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, I, it, it was, it, to this day, it's still a huge, huge honor. It really is. I mean, I don't think I really truly uh, could appreciate it back when it first came when they first came out and the games first came out because um, it was just you know, and I was never really a big gamer. Not because I didn't didn't enjoy it, didn't appreciate. It, I was just never really good at it. So <laughs> I could never seem to get good at the games, you know. But I enjoyed watching. Uh, uh, you know, I, had, I had some friends who were really good, and I, I always enjoyed watching people who were really good at the game. You know, I enjoyed watching them. It's like, I, I, I don't gamble at all, but I I, can, I literally, really, really enjoy sitting down and watching someone like Clay Blackjack, you know, especially like in a casino atmosphere. I have no interest at all in playing, but I, I, do, I really enjoy watching someone who's good at it, you know, and that's the same thing with gaming. I enjoy watching people who really are good at it, I, and I can respect that because I know I'm not. So, but, um, but uh, I, my greatest memory that I have of, of when the games came out was, um, uh, and I've I told this story uh, on some other uh, interviews, 
is uh, I went to that same mall, that Linux mall where Paige and I had that conversation, which started me on the path of being glacier. They're on the second floor of the mall. There was a game gaming store at the time, and when when one of the games came out, it might have been you know WCW versus NWO. I can't remember which one came out, but anyway, um, uh, I walked in and I think I was actually with my mom. She was in town. I think we were walk, just you know shopping in the mall, and uh, and they had a special section roped off where you could actually go up and actually play the game, and they had like a you know. Uh, movie screen type setup it wasn't as big as a movie screen but it was still a nice nice size you know like big screen tv if you can imagine that in the 90s but um uh and this kid was playing the game was playing the, the they just come out you know he was playing it and, and i remember walking up behind him and i discovered something about the game that i didn't even know i, I and the kid is not even his mom standing there and i don't even think she realized who i was but uh, i said to him i said hey can you pull up glacier can you play glacier kids and he goes oh yeah i can pull it so he pulls up you know the glacier character and i said can you and i just i didn't know i was asking i said can you make can you make glacier like wrestle glacier and he goes oh yeah he said, i can make them different colors until he had the, the you know glacier in blue and he had glacier in red and then eventually you know i, I, I leaned over and i tapped him on the shoulder and i said i said uh, i said wow i said you're pretty good at that and back then i had the bleach blonde hair and so when i finally he turned around just you know he, re- he realized you know who i was and and I tell you what, man, that expression on his face at that moment is something I will never, ever forget. And it's something that I really cherish to this day is like, you know, because I used to be that kid, you know. And, and when I would go to watch wrestling and, and, and whenever I got a chance to maybe meet one of the wrestlers, you know, I had that similar expression on my face. So to, it was incredibly surreal to me. Like I said, I'm so thankful that I get to be Glacier. I'm so thankful that I got to pursue this dream. That in moments like that, it's like Dallas and I always say, moments like that are not about the paycheck. You know, and, and those moments are what make, those are the best part of, of, of you know, quote unquote fame. You know, you get to put some a little, a, a, an expression on somebody's face like that. That's, that's what's priceless, and that's what I think most of us live for are those kind of moments. Oh, definitely. And we know you love being Glacier, but my final question, I want to know how much you loved being Co- uh, Coach Buzz Stern. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually, um, at, at the time, it was easier for me to be Coach Buzz Stern than it was Glacier. And here's why. is actually, Disco, uh, Disco Firm was the one that came up with that name. And we actually created that character while I was still in the indie scene. As a matter of fact, Coach Buzz Stern was the character gimmick that we first that Dallas first pitched on my behalf to to Bischoff, and he was kind of lukewarm on it. He didn't hate it, but he didn't, he wasn't overexcited about it either. And uh, so when the time came where you know they had switched the booking committee, and I knew that the, the new booking committee was not going to go any further with Glacier, I presented Coach Buzz Stern to Eric, and that's what kept me on board. Is I was proactive. I, I tell every people, every person chasing this dream, like if, if you got to be proactive, like you can't expect the office come up with new ideas for you like you have to be the one to to make make them see that, that, that you're worth staying employed that, that, that you're worth you're worth keeping around and that's what i did i i went out and i um had uh, a friend of mine who was a director i spent money in my own pocket I, I made like about eight you know broadcast ready you know as we call them vignettes and and i pre- presented those to eric and and based on just the fact that i had done all that he kept me on board and, and I signed a new contract, but but yeah, the Coach Burns, my starting character was really, I was a teacher and a coach, like I said before. So I, I took all these, there was probably a dozen or so 
character as coaches that I, I had known over the years, and and I just morphed them all into one character. And because uh, everybody has that PE teacher, that coach that they remember, who's just almost like a character without trying to be a character, you know. And and I just kind of morphed all those people together. And I had a lot of fun being Coach Buster. I, I and uh, as as it would be in wrestling, uh, you know, the powers that be, the, the, the booking committee changed again not too <laughs> not not too long after that, and, and and they actually wanted to bring back Glacier. So I'll, you know, they, they brought me back as Glacier. So, um, but uh, but most guys tell you, man, Coach Buster was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. That is so cool. I'm glad that you were able to uh, think outside the box and keep yourself a job. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and, and that's it. And I tell people all the time, you have to be proactive. You, you no one's going to do it for you. you. You have to be the one to come up with ideas. You have to be the one to to, to go to them to let. Like I said, you know, I always say, be so good they can't ignore you. You know, that they can't ignore the fact that hey, this person's valuable. We need to keep them on board. You know, and uh, and I was always the guy who was more than willing to go do appearances. Uh, and I and I. I kind of became the guy i think for mo- for the most part with the office i always let it be known that i was the go-to guy if anybody canceled for the you know personal appearance where they could call me anytime and and you know god foreseen you know god forbid any personal emergency i'd, I'd go at the drop of a hat I, I i i had to show them that i was a value to the company you know and and that's that's a big reason why i felt like i was i was able i was kept in, employed for five years you know was that i I took it upon myself to bring value to the company to say this person is worth keeping on board, you know. And um, uh, you know, and that's like I said, that's a lot of that's being a teacher, being a coach. Now, that's a lot of what I what I, I stress to them is you got to find a way to stand out, be memorable, and be the person be the person that they see the value. Like, okay, this this is a person who we need to keep on the team, you know, because because they can help and they can help in a lot of ways. They're valuable to us, not just as what they do in the ring. But equally, and maybe more so, what they do out of the ring, and what they don't do out of the ring—they don't get in trouble, they don't embarrass the company, they don't, you know, embarrass our brand. You know, it's, and so all those things, which, you know, in our industry, you know, we our industry attracts a lot of, you know, big personalities, and a lot of times, big personalities don't like the, you know, they're not real good with boundaries. <laughs> you know? Right. You have to be able. To, you're representing a brand. You're representing, you know, something a lot larger than you. And you got to be, you got to find a way to do that, you know. And, and in my opinion, do it with class because that that's what will really give you longevity in whatever it is that you do, you know. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's it's um, you know the, the 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 industry as a whole has been really really good to me. Um, I hope and pray that I'm I'm able to be in the business of uh, you know until I take my last breath. I feel like I probably will be. Uh, one of the thing what I was going to tell you is um, yeah, I'm getting ready to. Actually, uh, you know, through through the Nightmare Factory, we're getting ready to offer, um, and we'll be making the official announcement here pretty soon. Uh, we're getting ready to offer, and I'll be doing, I'll be overseeing all of it. Where we're going to be doing online match critiques because you know we're, we're at kind of full capacity at our Nightmare Factory as far as in-person talent and training with us. Um, but uh, but there's tons of people that still want to come or at least be seen by the Nightmare Factory, uh, and so. Uh, I, I'm gonna, we're getting ready to make an official announcement here pretty soon that um, that we'll be doing online critiques and, and I'll be heading all that up where you know I, you know people can send in their matches and, and I'll be uh, watching it, making notes and, and corresponding with them and we'll have a couple different options as to how to do that. Uh, but uh, also I'm getting ready to um, officially launch uh, as of Monday, October 4th. 
uh, I just set this deadline yesterday with my, my marketing person. I'm getting ready to branch out and actually um, start my own personal online coaching business for for all the, the anybody aspiring to make it to succeed in professional wrestling. And uh, it's something that I feel um, it is, there's a need for it. And, you know, who better than me? You know, I've, I've walked that walk, and, and you know, the combination of my experience as an actual teacher and coach outside of wrestling, I feel like I'll be able to really, really help a lot of people. And I want to be able to build a community of people to know when there's, there's you know, a lot of support there, and, and I can show them uh, one way to do it right. You know, it's not the only way, obviously, but, but it's like you have great college coaches, great NFL coaches, great, you know, whatever pro coaches. Everybody has their way, but, uh, you know, they all – you know, are built on successful principles that are pretty universal. And that's one of the things that I feel like is my, you know, being, as I said earlier, being so fortunate to have learned from some of the very best in the history of this business, in my opinion, it's my moral obligation to their legacy to pass everything along that I've been so fortunate to learn. And because if I don't, then, then, then that knowledge and that advice dies with, you know, with me. And, and I don't want that to happen. I, I want to, I want, you know, my teaching to, to long outlive me just like Dallas always says about DDP yoga that's his legacy he wants he wants to be changing lives with DDP yoga long after he's gone you know that's why he's recording so much stuff now with his DDP yoga app and all that and I'm going to do the same thing for you know the dreamers out there the aspiring pro wrestlers who you know because I, the one thing I do know um is that for most people who pursue this dream there's a whole list of people that tell them why they shouldn't be doing it and you know and once again Dallas and I always talk about you know, whatever you pursue, but especially if you pursue pro wrestling, there's going to be somebody on every corner that tells you you're crazy for doing that. And I'm the guy who says, I'll be the voice of reason to tell you, you're not crazy for doing it. You know, good for you for chasing this dream, but let's put a realistic plan into place, a blueprint, and let's work that plan. And, and, and let's do everything we can in your power. Let's concentrate on that stuff. And if we do that, good things will happen. And, and so that's, uh, so I'm getting ready to officially launch uh, we're getting ready to officially launch all that um, as of uh, Monday, October 4th. But uh, this is actually the first place that I'm actually uh, mentioning it at all. You know, that, <laughs> that I'll be, nice. we'll be doing that. Yeah, and um, and if anybody's listening, uh, I'm going to be doing some one-on-one coaching too. So, and I'm setting up a six-week program to where I'll be working more one-on-one with um, with, with people who are looking to get more individual um, coaching. And uh, and uh, we're actually my marketing person is actually putting everything together right now. But uh, but if you're somebody who wants this, any of the listeners who would like to work with me one-on-one on that level, um, you can uh, look me up on Facebook and just under Ray Lloyd. Uh, you can send me a you know a message through Facebook Messenger, or you can just email me my, my email that's a pretty simple one i have a few emails but this is the simplest one it's just ray lloyd at hotmail.com just send me an email and, and i'll respond and i'll you know uh who knows you could be one of my very first one-on-one clients that, that i start working with but uh this is just my way of of uh continuing to um have a career in this industry and, and, and like i said share what i've been so fortunate enough to learn uh with the, the next generation and if i can have money be a little part of any of them Oh, absolutely, Ray. I'm sure you have a lot of great stuff to give to the next generation, and I wish you the best of luck with your wrestling and your acting career as well. Yeah, yeah. Do we have an extra minute here so I can tell you about the uh, the big, big big thing I wanted to tell you about? Sure, we go have ahead. an extra minute to talk? Yeah, go ahead. So, uh, we have been in work 
for the last couple of years, and, and mainly because of COVID, we had to obviously shut down production for well over a year, like a lot of people had to do with their lives. Um, but um, I, we have, with my team here in Orlando, we have been um, kind of quietly working on a feature film project that is an action adventure slash sci-fi film that uh, we're pretty much in post-production now. Um, almost all of it's been is filmed and in the can. We've got a few little things that we still have left to shoot, but um, it is actually for the first time ever. It's a it's a film that's an ensemble cast of legendary professional wrestlers, and uh, it's called uh, the film's called The Unbreakable Bunch. And uh, you can uh, our website that actually um, uh, our website that was put together by um, Robert McLaren, who is DDP's uh, Dallas Pages IT guy for DDP Yoga, as a, as a favor to us for the project, he, he did our website for us. Um, you can go to unbreakablebunch.com. That's the, uh, the website for the film. You can see who's all in the movie. You can see tons of pictures from, from when we were uh, behind-the-scenes photos, but um, we've got you know, uh, uh, you know, three Hall of Famers, uh, Larry Zabisco, Diamond Dallas Page, Stan Larry Hansen, uh, but also we have, you know, King Haku, uh, Ming, you know, for WCW, uh, Ernest Miller, my tag team partner, myself, um, Gangrel makes a great appearance in the movie. Um, we have even Pinkland Thomas, who's former world heavyweight boxing champion. Back in the 80s, right before Tyson was the one that started dominating boxing, he makes a cameo in the movie. We have, uh, it's a SAG film, which most people, if they don't know what that means, that means it's a union film. We did this film right. We, uh, we were able to get a, a tremendously, uh, generous sponsor we have one sponsor or, or investor for the film and um this film is a it's a family-friendly film uh it's um uh, it's designed to be a film that paints professional wrestling in a really really good light and as you know we, we there's really not really a lot of movies out there that, that when you talk about pro wrestling that that paint them in a good light that they typically paint wrestling and wrestlers as low-life degenerates or buffoons or both and this movie does not do that we we celebrate the magic of professional wrestling it's a great movie to to honor wrestling fans uh it's really a story about the beauty of the camaraderie that comes from you know a bunch of like-minded people getting together doing anything but for this example it's professional wrestling um and there's just you know tons of great actors in the movie um it, it's just done right it's done well um uh, like i said it's, it's kind of like um uh you know I'm a big fan of John Carpenter, and of course, uh, you know, John Carpenter directed Roddy Piper and They Live, and so we did, we came up with a storyline that's basically a, uh, a marriage of these two concepts, the, the Magnificent Seven or The Expendables, which is more of a modern-day version of the, the ensemble cast, uh, meets They Live. So this is a movie with uh, that's a lot of fun. There's a, it's, it's, it's for the wrestling audience. There's a, there's a great bit of professional wrestling <clears throat> that's shot really, really well. There's a great bit of action. We, we, all the, the fight scenes and, uh, and all the other action scenes we have in the movie, it's really a good homage to the Burt Reynolds you know, era of fight scenes where it's just good old kicks and punches and you know, uh, just good fun fight scenes. And I'm a big believer in that action doesn't have to be necessarily really violent. It can still be fun action. And kind of like the A-Team, if you, you, I'm sure you remember the old A-Team series, TV series, where there was always a lot of fighting and gunfire and explosions, but nobody ever really got hurt. That's kind of what our movie's kind of like. It's a really fun, fun movie. Um, but it's, it's a movie that we knew Hollywood would never get right. So we decided to go out and make this movie as, a, as really like a, a gift and a love letter to the pro wrestling fan to say thank you for being the best fans on the planet and this movie is to celebrate you know the the the, the commitment that wrestling fans make to 
to our industry and uh, and to celebrate the camaraderie that the, the, our, our movie celebrates a lot of the good of pro wrestling. We've already seen a lot of the dark side and the bad side of it, but this movie celebrates what's good about pro wrestling, and I think people are really, really going to enjoy it. So once again, if you want to know more about the film, and we're hoping we'll, uh, we'll maybe have a release date sometime around the first of the year. Um, as we're in post-production, as you know, that's just something that, you know, it's going to take it as long as it takes for us to get it right, you know. But um, we're hoping to have a screening copy of the film, you know, sometime here you know, in the next few months. But it's uh, unbreakablebunch.com. And uh, check it out because uh, it's a really, really fun movie. We've, we've worked really hard on the last few years. And, uh, and like I said, a really, really fun movie. I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy it. And it's going to make you proud to be a pro wrestling fan when you see the movie. Well, that's awesome, Ray. Congratulations, yeah. man. Thank you. Thank you. It's been, it's, been, whew, it's been a long, long, a big project. It's taken a long time. But, man, it's coming together really, really well. We're really, really proud of it. That is awesome. Thank you so much for talking to us. It was nice finally getting together. Yeah, man, that's same here. And, and, and if it's possible, maybe in a couple months, I could, I could come back on and uh, I could give a big follow-up about the coaching stuff, and also I'll have much more uh, up-to-date information about the film, too. Absolutely. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, thank you for having me on, as always. I'm glad we finally got to do it. I know we've been trying to get together for a while. <laughs> that's all right. It just matters we got it done. Yeah, yeah. So... Well, to all your listeners out there, thank you guys for, for taking the time to, to listen in. And uh, and to all the pro wrestling fans out there, I just want to say, uh, and I always make a point to say this, that, um, you know, if you ever came to a show that I was wrestling on, whether you came to watch me or not, I, I hope that I made a great lasting impression on you. And I just want to say thank you for being pro wrestling fans, because without you, the fans, which is such a valuable part of our business, guys like me never get to live my dream. And I'm truly, truly thankful to the pro wrestling fan because that's what I was at the beginning. And I've, I've tried so hard to never forget the reason I got into this and the reason I've been able to make a living out of it for 34 years is the fact that I was a fan first. So I truly, truly say thank you to all the wrestling fans out there. Absolutely. Thanks again, Ray. Have a great night. <clears throat> yes, sir. You too. We'll talk again soon, okay? Alrighty. Sounds good. See you, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great night.